Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, maybe just as we come to God's word this morning, uh, let's just pray together uh, as we begin. Father, I just want to ask uh, that in these days of great uncertainty, uh, with lots of unknowns in our lives, uh, I want to pray that your word, now more than ever, would be a lamp to our feet and a light for our path. Um, and so I want to pray that you would come now and speak to us by your word and by your spirit, uh, words that will actually help us to navigate our way in the days ahead and in the living of our lives. And I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, I want to share really this morning, um, really just one verse that I, I want to focus on uh, from Hebrews chapter 11. Um, Hebrews 11 is uh, a very unusual chapter, an amazing chapter, uh, full of kind of lots of little snapshots of great characters of faith from the Old Testament. It's a kind of greatest hits of the Old Testament. And you get a little bit of Noah and a little bit of Abraham and a little bit of Moses and a little bit of David. Uh, and I'm sure you have your favourites out of that kind of roll call of faith. Um, but earlier this summer, uh, I was asked by the church that I grew up in, down in uh, Bethany Church in Finicky, um, to choose a character from Hebrews 11 to teach on in their online service. Um, and really, as I was preparing, I picked up Hebrews 11 and really just was asking God to make one of these characters kind of leap off the page uh, and grab me. Uh, and as I read, there was one that kind of leapt off the page. Uh, but maybe it was a little bit of a surprise. Um, it really was a single quiet verse that grabbed me uh, that would be very easy to miss in among the kind of louder, more dramatic stories that are there in Hebrews 11. And this is the verse that, that leapt off the page. Hebrews 11 verse 21 says, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Uh, maybe what I want to suggest is that in its own way, this is a miracle as great as any that we read about in this chapter. Um, here is an old man at the very end of his journey. His body is tired and weak. His sight is failing. He needs a stick to stand. And yet, the words that come from his mouth are words of blessing towards others and worship towards God. Um, I think we could say that that's his native language as an old man. That's the language that comes naturally and readily from his lips. That's what spills out of the overflow of his heart. And there's something about this little snapshot that I find really deeply moving and beautiful and, and challenging. Um, and I want to think about it with you uh, this morning. You can go if you want and read the longer version of the story uh, in Genesis 48. We're not going to read that this morning. Uh, where he blesses, Jacob blesses his grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Um, he actually blesses them with his arms crossed like this uh, for reasons that I don't totally understand. But you can go and read the story in Genesis 48. But I really want to just stick with this simple image Jacob at the end of his life, as he's dying, blessing Joseph's sons and worshipping as he leans on the top of his staff. Um, I guess as I think about why I find this moving, I've been thinking, I, I have known some old men in my life who were like this. 
uh, and some old women as well, um, who, even as their bodies faded away, overflowed with blessing and worship, with encouragement and thanksgiving. Uh, And those old men and women have been a, a source of deep inspiration to me. They continue to be a blessing to me, even though they've gone to glory. Um, And I wonder if you've known people like that in your life. Um, I hope you have. I hope you can bring them to mind, um, even as we we think about this this morning. Um, But maybe I also want to say something more difficult, which is this. I've also learned in my life that this is not inevitable. In other words, old age doesn't automatically make people gracious and joyful. As we get older, it's possible for us instead to become kind of bitter and angry and grumpy so that the language that comes most easily from our lips, instead of being blessing and and worship, can be the language of complaint and criticism. Uh, Maybe if we want to imagine it visually, instead of our hands outstretched to bless and uplifted to worship, we can live as we get older with our fists clenched and our finger pointed. Um, And as I think about that, I find it really challenging. And I find myself, uh, something within me saying, I want to be an old man like Jacob. When my my body is worn out and fading away, I want my heart to overflow with blessing and worship. Um, To use the words of a song uh, we sometimes sing and we're gonna sing at the end. Um, I wanna be singing when the evening comes. Um, wonder is that true for you? Uh, do you have that desire? What kind of old man do you want to be? Um, what kind of old woman do you want to be? Um, and maybe my, my really practical question this morning is this, is how did Jacob become this kind of old man? Because if we're being honest, there was a time in Jacob's life when this didn't seem very likely. Uh, you may remember Jacob literally came out of the womb grasping the heel of his twin brother Esau. And his name means the heel grabber, which is also a euphemism for the deceiver. Uh, And that's very much how Jacob lived as a young man, grabbing, grasping, uh, cheating, conniving, deceiving, manipulating. That's the way he lived. Um, So he sees his brother come in from the field, exhausted and hungry and tired. uh, And he exploits his brother's hunger to to get him to give him his birthright for a bowl of stew. Um, Maybe even more appallingly later, he deceives his own blind father to steal the blessing that was intended for his brother. I wonder, thinking about Jacob as a young man, I wonder if you'd known Jacob as a young man, what would you have predicted for the the kind of course of his life? How would you have guessed that Jacob was going to end up? I, I think we would have said the trajectory of his life didn't seem to be headed anywhere good. You might have shaken your head at Jacob and said, he's going he's gonna to come to a bad end, right? That's the direction his life was going. And so my really practical question is, how did a young man like that become an old man like this, overflowing with blessing and worship? And I want to suggest there are, there are two stories about Jacob from the book of Genesis uh, that I think can maybe help us understand how that change happened. Uh, how Jacob changed, and maybe it can help us think about how we can change too. Um, One of them happens at a place called Bethel. One of them happens at a place called Peniel. Um, I'm not going to read the stories. 
uh, but I'm going to sort of summarize them and encourage you to think about them. So the first one at Bethel in Genesis 28. Uh, this, this story happens just after Jacob had cheated his brother out of his father's blessing. Uh, and Jacob actually ended up going on the run because his brother literally wanted to kill him. And so that's important. This, this story happens at the time in Jacob's life when he is acting most badly. This is Jacob at his absolute worst of his conniving, manipulating, deceiving, cheating. What happened as he was on the run? He stopped for the night and he lay down with a stone for a pillow. And then he had a dream. And in his dream, he saw a stairway between earth and heaven with angels ascending and descending. And then God spoke to Jacob. And he spoke to him words of, I wonder what you would expect, words of rebuke, words of anger, words of correction, words of judgment. All of that would be natural and expected. But God speaks to this cheating, manipulative, grasping heel grabber, words of blessing. And he says to Jacob, I will give you this land and many descendants. And he reiterates to Jacob the, the big promise that he'd given to his grandfather Abraham and says, all people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go and I will not leave you. Right? Do you get the shock of this? Right? This is Jacob the deceiver, the heel grabber. And God says, not only will I pour out an abundance of blessing on you, but I will make blessing flow through you uh, to all the world. And Jacob wakes up from his dream and says, surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't know it. And he calls the place Bethel, which means the house of God. And he says, from now on, the Lord will be my God. This is a defining moment in Jacob's life. Um, what was it that Jacob discovered at Bethel? I want to suggest what Jacob discovered was that God's blessing breaks into our lives as a gift, as something unexpected and undeserved. Not, not as a reward when we're at our best, but as a gift given even when we're at our worst. Right? I think that's what Jacob encounters at Bethel. In other words, that God doesn't look around to find the most morally impressive people or the most shiny and upstanding and well-behaved people or the most spiritually wise and sordid people and give his blessing to them. But scandalously, shockingly, God opens heaven and pours out blessing on foolish, selfish, cheating, dishonest, messy, broken sinners like Jacob and like you and me. I think Bethel is Jacob's encounter with amazing grace where he discovers that this is the heart of the character of God. This is the heart of who God is. I wonder if you discovered that for yourself. This is the very heart of the gospel. That while we are still sinners, Christ dies for us. God opens heaven and pours out grace. Um, maybe I want to suggest um, you and I know this very well in our heads. I'm guessing if I said to you, you know, what is the gospel? You could, we could say something about it's not about our performance or our works, but it's about grace. Um, but sometimes I think we forget this in our hearts. We know the words of this gospel of grace but we forget the melody. And I think we go back to thinking 
that God blesses the deserving, that he blesses the good boys and girls, that he blesses those who color inside the lines, those who are impressive and shiny and sordid and spiritual, those whose theology and doctrine is all correct with every T crossed and every I dotted. Those are the people God blesses. And when we start to think that that's what God is like, then we start to live that way towards others. And we say, I will bless those who deserve it. And we start to measure and weigh other people and we end up finding most of them wanting. And I wonder, can you see how our fists become closed and our fingers become pointed? And I wonder, would you agree with me that we've had more than enough of that kind of religion in our land, on this island? Um, I want to suggest when the gospel of Bethel gets into our hearts, when this gospel of amazing grace gets into our blood and into our bones, not just as words in our mind, but as a melody that takes hold of our lives, then it changes everything. We become channels of this grace to others. We live saying freely we have received, now freely we're going to give. And we can even start to obey the most difficult command that, that I think Jesus ever gave us to go and love our enemies and bless those who curse us. Return blessing for cursing. So I wonder, can I encourage you, if you notice whatever age of life you're at, um, if you notice your fist starting to close and your finger starting to point, if you notice your native language becoming criticism and complaint instead of blessing and worship, can I encourage you to ask God to bring you back to Bethel? Ask him for a fresh encounter with amazing grace. Uh, ask him to show you again his heart of grace that is for you even when you're at your worst and that is for your neighbor and even your enemy, even when they're at their worst. Ask him to soften your heart again and then to send you out as a channel of this grace to those around you. So that's Bethel. Um, second story. Um, and I think we kind of need to hold these two stories side by side. Um, years later, Jacob was on his way home. Um, he'd had quite a few adventures in between. Jacob the cheater was cheated by his uncle Laban in all kinds of ways. And he's now coming home uh, with two wives, 11 sons, one daughter, and lots of animals. And he's on his way home to be reconciled to his brother. And as Jacob crossed a river forward at night, he met a man who wrestled with him until daybreak. You can read the story in Genesis 32. And as the story goes on, we realize this is not just a man. This is an encounter with God himself. Um, and as, as Jacob wrestles with God, Jacob speaks these amazing words. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And maybe as we're reading the story, we're kind of waiting for the lightning bolt because we're thinking, how dare Jacob as a mere mortal be so audacious? Um, or how dare Jacob with his track record of bad behavior be so presumptuous in demanding that God bless him? But instead of a lightning bolt, God gives Jacob a new name. He calls him Israel, which means one who wrestles with God. And then it simply says this, and God blessed him there. God gives Jacob the blessing that he audaciously asked for. And maybe I want to suggest 
Um, if our first story at Bethel showed us that God's blessing is a gift of grace, um, unexpected and undeserved, this story shows us that God wants us to seek his blessing. He wants us, in a sense, to come after it, to hunger for it, to be willing even to wrestle for it, to be audacious and tenacious in our seeking, to be people who wrestle with God until we see breakthrough. Um, Jacob calls this place Peniel, which means the face of God, because he says, this was where I saw the face of God and lived. Um, I find that really helpful in reflecting on this story, because maybe one of the biggest mistakes we can make is thinking that God's blessing is something that God gives us apart from himself. So we think of God's blessing as being about being given health or wealth or success or a new job or a new car or a wife or whatever it is. And I think as we read the story of the Bible, we come to understand that the blessing God wants to give is nothing less than himself. He wants to bring us into encounter with himself. And in the Old Testament, people have these kind of brief moments of encounter with God, like Jacob here or like Moses or like others. Um, the amazing thing is this is what Jesus has made possible for us as an everyday reality. As the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom, the way was opened up so that we can come near and meet God face to face and live. This is available to us, this Peniel encounter is available to us every day of our lives to meet God face to face and live. And I want to suggest this is what we most need, whether we realize it or not. This is what our hearts hunger for, whether we realize it or not. This is what it means to be blessed, to meet with God face to face. It says in 2 Corinthians 3, 18, one of my favorite verses, that as we with unveiled faces, which sounds very pertinent right now, unmasked faces, as we, as we look at the glory of Jesus, at the glory of God, we are transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. As we meet him face to face, we are changed to become like him. That's the secret of real change in our lives, is that face-to-face -face encounter. And so I want to encourage you, if, if you and I want to be like Jacob, this old man leaning on a staff, full of blessing and worship, it's not going to happen accidentally. We're not going to trip over something and become like this. We won't just wake up one day overflowing with blessing and worship. We have to come after it. We have to go after it with all our hearts. Every day, you and I are making choices and those choices become habits and habit becomes character. And every day you and I are becoming something. And maybe the searching question I want to throw out to you this morning is, what are you becoming? What are you seeking, pursuing, running after? Um, what are you becoming? Um, maybe I want to suggest that any age in life, whether you're 15 or 50 or 75, um, at any age of life, one of the great temptations is just to settle for our current level of spiritual life and kind of switch on cruise control and just go with the flow. Uh, 
And maybe one of the things I want to say really bluntly is, if that's what we want, that option is open to us. We can live that way if we want. But we, we will become a little bored and also a little boring. Um, and maybe what I want to say this morning is, I find as I reflect on this, something within me saying, I want to choose to be like Jacob. I want to go after everything that God has for me. I want to take hold of God and not let go. I want to become all that God created me to be. I don't want to settle down here and just wait for heaven. I want more of God and more of his blessing and more of this face-to-face encounter that changes me deeply wonder, is that what you want? What is it that you want? What is it that you're becoming? What is it that you want to go after today and tomorrow and in the days ahead? So maybe I want to suggest Bethel reminds us that often in our lives, God opens heaven and pours out grace and kindness when we least expect it. And I want to encourage you to keep your eyes open this week for amazing grace. Keep your hands open to receive it when it comes as a gift. And I want to suggest Peniel reminds us that God also invites us to seek him. Uh, and there's a sense in which God says, all the blessings of heaven are here if you want them. And there's a sense in which he says, if you want it, come and get it. Take hold of God and don't let go until he blesses you. Uh, let me finish with this verse. There's a verse in Psalm 24 that I love that speaks about Jacob and it says, Such is the generation of those who seek his face, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Those who say, I want to be like Jacob. I want to meet God face to face and be transformed. Um, I want to encourage you um, to to go after that. I, I want to encourage you to reflect today. Do you want to be part of a generation like that? The way is open for you and I to choose every day this way of life. Uh, And then when the evening comes uh, and we lean on our staff, uh, when we we reach the end of our journey, we'll still be singing. We'll be overflowing with blessing and with worship. Um, Let me pray for us as we finish. And then we're going to sing one more time. Um, Father, I just want, I want to thank you so much just for this really simple, powerful picture that we're given here of, of old man Jacob leaning on his staff um, and these words of blessing and worship coming from his mouth. Um, and I guess I want to pray, even if we forget most of what we've thought about this morning, I want to pray that that image would stay with us, that our imaginations might be fired a little bit by it and that we might find kind of stirred up within us, a sense of hunger and longing and and something within us that says, I want to be like that. I want to become that kind of old man, that kind of old woman. Father, I want to pray uh, that we would have moments in our lives, even this week, like Bethel, where we're just amazed by grace and where we realize that you, you open heaven and you pour out blessing and kindness as a gift. Would you constantly soften our hearts and surprise us with that grace and make us channels of that grace for others. Father, I also pray you would challenge us with the message of Peniel and that we would be those who wrestle with you and take hold of you 
and come after everything that you've got for us. And don't let go until you bless us. Father, I want to pray day by day that we would be being changed uh, into your likeness with ever-increasing glory. Help us to make the choices today, tomorrow, that will form the habits, that will form the character, so that when the evening comes, we'll be singing songs of blessing and songs of worship. Uh, may it be so. Uh, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>